Hello, welcome to How to Be a VIP, a show about living as or with a visually impaired person. Presented by me, your host, Taylor Knockcut. This series aims to help you, our lovely listeners, see the world through our eyes. So let's talk. Hello and welcome to episode two. It's great to be back. I hope you enjoyed episode one. And if you did, I hope that you have liked, subscribed and maybe even left a review. So straight into episode two. And this week we have a guest. I'm so excited um, for the conversation that's to come because this week is about fashion. So this is a topic that I've had a lot of questions on. How does a person with visual impairment cultivate their own style? How do we do our makeup? How do we pick clothes? How do we know if we look good? All these things we're going to unpack in this episode. So anyone that follows me on Instagram, Taylor Knockcut, will see that I am massively into my clothes. I gig as a singer, so I like big skirts, big dresses, my everyday wear. I'm partial to a headband and a little jacket and some jeans. And my favourite shoes are Converse. Again, more of this to come. But it was really important to me that I did this episode and that I did it alongside another fashion Easter, or should I say fashion Easter, the wonderful Emily Davison. She has a brilliant Instagram account called Fashion Easter, E-Y-E-S-T-A, where she shares loads of tips on fashion and um, she does some vlogging about like products. It's really, really cool account. Definitely go and check it out. More of that at the end of the episode. But I met Emily first as a journalist. So Emily did a piece on me, um, it must have been April of this year, where I waited um, to get my guide dog and it was about the process of me waiting and then she did a follow-up interview once I was matched with Jilly about how we're both getting on. So we met through guide dogs and through the uh, journalist platform but um, today we're here talking about fashion. So over to my interview with Emily. Hello Emily, it's so good to have you. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Very excited to talk all things fashion and beauty and style. Um, I thought what would be quite fun to do is to sort of start by talking about what we're both wearing, just to sort of paint a picture uh, for the listeners. I'll kick it off um, today. So I'm wearing what I call my day my day wear which um, consists today of a pair of dungarees that I got from a charity shop that are dark blue. And I paired it with a black ribbed uh, French connection polo neck t-shirt. And I love coordinating colours. So I've also got like a black silky Alice band with like a bow on. And I'm wearing black and white zebra print converse. Um, so that's my my look for this morning. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, I've gone for cosy vibes because I've been out earlier to go for a walk. Um, it's very autumnal, so I've got on a orange feral jumper, which is quite new actually. I got that from Flatface. Um, I also have on a pair of jeans. I got Levi jeans. I just I've always bought Levi jeans. I just really like the fit. 
Um, and I've also got on a pair. Well, I did have a pair of Wellington boots on, but now I'm wearing slippers because <laughs> I'm back in the house again. But I did have on a pair of Wellington boots earlier, um, and they were in a mustard colour. But now, now, now I'm not wearing them, so not as cool naked as I was earlier. Oh, I love the mustard and the colour of the jumper combo, though. I think that's great. And Levi's, I always wear Levi's as well. Absolutely love Levi's. Fabulous. Um, okay, great. So um, could you tell uh, me and the listeners a little bit, um, if you don't mind, about um, your eye condition um, and maybe like how long you've had it for and then also about your job and your hobbies and um, your account fashion Easter. So... My condition is called septo-optic dysplasia and um, kind of it's, it kind of manifests in a couple of ways. So my actual eye condition itself is called optic nerve hyperplasia, which is where the optic nerve sustained, uh, well, they didn't sustain damage, but they were underdeveloped when I was, uh, when I was sort of, uh, you know, formed. And um, as a result, I've had poor eyesight all my life. So it's always been the same. I've never not known any different and they never known any different essentially um and there's also other number of uh health conditions that come as part of my illness because the illness affects the endocrine system so that's um what's responsible for things like your metabolism your partly for your like your immunity the way your body deals with stress um so it's quite a complex system it does a lot of things behind the scenes it gives you a lot of hormones that powers up certain organs and systems. So I don't make certain hormones, so I have to take medication for that. And I've always had to do that since I was quite young. And, um, yeah, that's just always been my reality. I've always had it, and that's just that's just always been my normal, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as for my job, so I am a full-time journalist now. I recently joined uh, the company called NewsQuest, who own lots of regional um, publications up and down the country we own a number of them in London so I write for the London titles in the south of London um, but aside from that I've been the content creator and I've uh, written professionally as a freelancer since I think 2014 was when I really started doing that and I've been doing that ever since um, so I write a lot of different things about lifestyle you know disability awareness kind of um you know informative kind of pieces about disability but also um you know beauty and travel and stuff like that so it's quite varied the things I've written about and my Instagram was just part of that because I started off with a blog and then Instagram kind of came a little bit later after after that when I got into it and um that's what I've been doing ever since it's funny you should say about hobbies. I've forgotten what my hobbies are because all I've been doing for the last two months is revising for a media law exam. So I've forgotten what things I love. But I mean, reading is a big one for me. And, um, you know, I'm very interested in um, sort of different subjects like science and history. And I like I like lots of walking tours. Whenever I go to a new place or a new city, I drag whoever I'm with on a walking tour, even though they probably hate it. Um, and um, I I like uh, uh, botany and flowers. I've got very, very big interest in that. I take a lot of my aesthetic cue from the seasons, so um, I kind of take a lot of my inspiration for the colours I wear from you know what's in bloom or what's in season at that given time. And I think that's kind of a big part of the clothes I do decide to wear these days. Actually, comes from that. I think that is such a cool 
I've never thought about dressing like to fit the season as if like you are part of the season, like you're growing into your surroundings. I think that's such a beautiful way of dressing. Oh my gosh, you've literally made me like rethink. <laughs> it's definitely a different, con- it's a different co- concept for sure. I mean, I think it started when, um, you know, I was in lockdown and I think a lot of people do trends like cottage core or um, light academia mm. or there's another one called nature core and it's um you know there's hashtags like styled for, by the seasons and people do take a lot of their aesthetic cue from that and I think if you do that kind of content if you're into that kind of content creation which I am you know when I first started my blog I was very much into disability and just talking about that which I still am but I think I've kind of I'm very much into kind of more of a, a simple living kind of attitude and I really take pleasure from you know, the environment, I think it's very important. I think it did, lockdown did teach us to really, you know, use the outside world and to appreciate it because it has a lot of impact on your mental health when you do. And I think I still, I've still kept a little bit of that now. So even, I mean, it's very hard though, because sometimes I walk into like a Zara or a New Look or somewhere and if they've got a black or just, it's all, you know, a certain kind of fashion, like animal print, which I'm not knocking, you know, everyone's got their thing that they like. Mm. It's very hard for me as a cottage core girl going there and like, oh, there's nothing I can buy. And it's like very limiting sometimes. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's lovely, but it's also a bit of a pain if you're trying to, you know, shop for new outfits. It doesn't always work in your advantage. hundred percent. I think that is like one of the points I definitely want to bring up is like, as like a quote unquote non-visual person, I've never, I've never followed trends because I've never been distracted by, you know, uh, billboards and loads of targeted ads on what people should wear. So I've always had a very individual uh style apart from like the emo phase at 14 which I feel like everyone goes through a little bit but (laughs) Um, oh but but apart from that yeah I've been the same like I because I'm a singer I love the kind of 50s style stuff and I think that was even growing up I always picked clothes that were quite um like texturally pleasing so like uh skirts with like embroidery and like petticoats and lots of velvet and things that felt really good like there was a um a costume that my nan bought me and it was mental I went to Greenwich Market age four and there was a stall and I could just with the limited vision I had see this like pile of red feathers and I went over and it was like a showgirl costume and my my nan bought it and my mum was like what are you doing she's four and she's just decided she likes it because it has feathers and I wore it to a Halloween show like 20 years later um, which pleased my nan because she just bought it because I like the feathers. But um, I've been the same. I've always liked stuff that was quite bold. And I used to find that high street stores wouldn't necessarily give me that. But I definitely have like a kind of, I sort of, my clothes become sort of more two personas for my gigging outfits. Like I said, are very sort of flamboyant, a lot of um, velvet and bold uh, textures and colours. And then like my, yeah, my day wear is very much inspired one of my friends said like Kate Middleton meets Blair Waldorf, um, which I was like, I'll take that because I, I love Gossip Girl and Kate Middleton. But <laughs> it's very much like I, I like to coordinate um, colours in things like if I have a red headband, my shoes will also be the same red and my bag will be the same red. Like, so I'll sort of have like a pop that goes through the whole outfit type thing. But I do find that, yeah, high street stores don't always uh, cater for, for, yeah random gaps in my wardrobe that's why I prefer like a charity shop or something 
yeah, I think sometimes you have to be prepared to to do a bit of searching if you've got a bit more of a, you know, another if you've, if you've got a little bit more of an alternative style and you like something a bit different and you're into a different kind of look, sometimes you have to be prepared to look or, you know, maybe spend a bit more money just getting the one item and stuff like that. And I think this is the other important thing as well. You know, I'm not denigrating any by any means, you know, any brand on the high street because I think that they do fit a market and I think it's important in the cost of living crisis to remember that people don't mm. have never-ending pockets for, for, for clothes and it, it, that is the way of the world we have to accept that but for me you know I do work full-time I do have some income to be able to spend on maybe something that's a little bit more unique and I think it does for me it does sometimes show when I do buy something that's a little bit more um kind of um tailored and fitted and it's a bit more to the style that I like and I think it, it it does kind of make me feel like I've got something that I can trust on. Um, and sometimes I do just buy maybe one or two things per season as opposed to buying, you know, lots of different things. And I think each to their own, but that's just personally my my take on it. It's something I've been doing quite a lot recently. I don't bulk buy as much because I just find I get bored of it really quickly and then I'll end up selling it a few months down the line for maybe a fraction of what I paid for it. So I just don't really do that anymore. I've learned from my mistake. Yeah, 100%. And I think trusting clothes is a really good shout because again, like for me, I, once I've got something on, I can't look in the mirror and check it. So again, for me, I've always uh, been scarred by the time I bought something that was a little bit cheaper and didn't realize was ridiculously (laughs) see-through. I left the house and someone's pointed it out and I was like, oh God. Um, So, you know, I think sometimes buying a higher quality item that's going to last, it pays for itself, um, you know, because it it does last. And I think um, like I'm quite fortunate that I haven't changed um, height or size very much over the years. So I have got some pieces that I've bought, you know, 10 plus years ago that are still going strong. Um, And again, that's probably because as well, my style hasn't, super super changed but um you know or or it's changed a bit that I can you know accessorize it a bit differently and things like that um but yeah no definitely interesting interesting points but um what about beauty then because that's a space that I've had loads of questions on like especially things like skincare and makeup um and I'm gonna quickly play a recording now of what my skincare and makeup routine looks like before we uh talk uh, to you Emily about yours Hello and welcome to my bathroom. <laughs> There's a sentence I didn't think I'd say. So I'm going to start with my skincare routine. So I'm in my cupboard right now. And the first thing I use in the morning is a bamboo face cloth with a cream cleanser. And this cleanser is by Kezo. I think I pronounced that right. K-A-E-S-O, which is a British brand. And I use their maple and pomegranate cleanser and the reason I like this brand as well as the fact it smells really good and it's really good on my skin for a vision impaired person I really like their bottles come with a pump top and it gives you just the right amount because sometimes bottles for vision impaired people can be quite difficult like when you're dispensing liquid and then I follow that with a little pipette bottle of theirs again which has like a skin serum which I put on and that Again, it's really accessible because the pipette has exactly the amount you need. Then I move on to my moisturiser. 
this is by Tropic Skincare and it's called Skin Dream. And again, another bottle that's got a little pumpy top. If ever I use a toner, I use one by Body Shop. Uh, this bottle is like a pory bottle, uh, but I put like a cotton pad underneath to catch it. So I kind of put the pad over the hole as I tip so I don't spill it everywhere. But that's what I use in my normal morning skincare routine. So we're leaving my bathroom, walking across into my bedroom. So when it comes to makeup, this is something that as a vision impaired person I have battled with for years because it's one of those things that it does, I I mean, I used to think require a lot of vision <laughs> in order to, to be able to get something half decent um, on your face. <laughs> so after years of like, poking myself in the eye of mascara and having foundations that created lines. This is the um, combination of products and skills that I use now to do my makeup. So I always start by doing my mascara first. Now this mascara is my favourite one I've ever had. I've been using it for a little while now and it's Bare Minerals Strength and Length. Um, What I really like about the Bare Minerals um, mascara is first of all, if you can hear that sound... It's really textured uh, mascara tube, so it's really easy to feel it amongst all my other makeup. Um, and the wand, I'm quite lucky that I have a little bit of residual vision, so I can see. So I get the mascara right near my eye, and I can just see the bristles. And then I gently brush upwards and sort of flick my lashes down onto the brush so I can just about see it in order to get the mascara I still get mascara all over my nose um (laughs) that's why I always do my mascara first um but yeah I do a few coats of that and then use a little comb just to like brush it through then if I'm going out and I've got like a few like blemishes like spots or like under the eye bags <laughs> I use um Bare Minerals uh, liquid cleanser as well which interestingly is exactly the same texture as my mascara uh the packaging but it's shorter so I can lay them next to each other and go oh that's the mascara oh that's the um the wand concealer wand then I move on to foundation once I've done my concealer and at the minute I'm using a Charlotte Tilbury foundation I like Charlotte Tilbury and Bare Minerals because they're really natural so if I had like a really thick foundation or a thick uh concealer I feel like I'm more likely if I missed any gaps it's more noticeable so I pick things that are very natural um again a liquid foundation and I squeeze it onto the back of my hand and then I use a little sponge um no sorry I use a brush first and then a sponge so I use a brush to like mix it on that my hand and then like brush it over my face and then I use the sponge to sort of smooth it and join up any brush strokes that might be there that I might not see then once I've done that I move on to my little makeup palette I have in front of me that's me shutting the lid um and this is a makeup palette by Tropic Skincare again um shout out to Tropic (laughs) and this one I love this palette because basically it you can design your own palette and slide um, different products in. So in my palette, um, I have a little row of eyeshadows, which are in their little separate trays. And again, you can put them in whatever order you want. So I do mine light to dark, so I know which one I'm dipping my brush into. And then on the end, I've got a big chunk of the palette, which is my um, bronzer. 
So again, dip my brush into that. And then I draw like a number three sort of shape on each side of my, like from my forehead, past my eyebrow, down my cheek. And then the other side, so sort of the outside of my face and a little bit on my cheeks, um, bronzer. And then I finish with Charlotte Tilbury Setting Powder. Again, I use a different brush, like a big brush for this one. And again, I like this powder because it's quite like, um, it's easy for me to find texturally in my bag as well, um, like the packaging. And then I, uh, again, I might use some eyeshadow if I'm going out, out. Uh, and then I finish with Charlotte Tilbury Eyeliner Pencil. Now, eyeliner was a battle for me for ages. Um, and I still have to get people to check it for me. But I do, like, get the pencil in the corner of my eye. And then I just gently drag it across my eye, right to the corner and the other eye. And the reason I pick a pencil is because if it's a bit smudgy and a bit smoky, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, and I like a brown pencil because I have brown eyes. And then I finish everything with my fave. I'm obsessed with this. It's the uh, Charlotte Tilbury setting spray. Um, and it's quite a big bottle. Like, I, yeah, it's pretty, pretty hefty bottle, like the size of a decent hairspray bottle. Um, and I love this purely because well, two reasons. Firstly, it works really well as a setting spray, apparently, according to my friends who say that my makeup lasts. And as a singer as well, I need my makeup to last on stage. But I love it because it smells amazing. And that's the thing, as a vision impaired person, like, my sense of smell is very heightened, so I do quite like things that smell really good. And this one, um, I think, smells like an expensive, like, hotel wooden floor. That sounds very bizarre, but, like, very nice polished wood um, or like a spa type smell. So that's all my skincare. And then I wrap up with like my perfumes and uh, deodorant. I use wild deodorant. And that one, uh, the one I use is cotton and sea salt. And again, I love this because I can just refill the deodorant so I know when I'm running low. Because again, I've had that before. Deodorants that used to buy in the shop, I could never tell if it was going to run low. Whereas the wild one, because you wind it up and fill it yourself, you know when it's going to be like running out. Um, and then I use, for perfume, I have two. And again, I'm obsessed with perfume because as someone that, like, smell is very important to me. Um, I, like, love, you know, loves perfumes and like to treat myself to something quite nice. Um, so I have two. Um, and my day perfume, uh, both, sorry, both are by Jo Malone. My day perfume is Pear and Freesia, uh, which has got like a very fresh, um, kind of like almost jumped out the shower, uh, fresh sort of floral spa type smell. And then my evening one is my favourite, Rose and Oud. I'm a big fan of Rose. And yeah, Rose and Oud is again like very woody, kind of got like a sort of Middle Eastern spice note to it. Um, but yeah, so that's literally all of my products I use from my skincare, through my makeup, uh, into my perfume and deodorant. And again, all of them I really love because of the packaging, how accessible they are to me, um, and like also how easy they are to apply. Great. So Emily, what does your normal skincare routine look like and then your makeup and what kind of products 
do you like using um, in terms of like the actual product itself, but also like how accessible they are to you in terms of like packaging and being able to apply them correctly? Well, I mean, I'll give you an abbreviated version because otherwise we'd be here all day. I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the things obviously about my kind of content that I make is that I'm very fortunate that I do get sent things to try. So my my skincare routine does change quite frequently. I don't always stick to the same products. There's a few that I will always go back to. I really like fresh products. I like um, the fresh rose toner. It's one of my favorites. Um, but then there's certain things that I feel like I have to use for my skin type. So I do use a lot of salicylic acid in my uh, routine. I like the Inky List products because they've got quite clear color contrast um obviously i think if you're completely blind it might not be as easy because the, the you know the bottles are all exactly the same shape you probably have to mm -hmm. use an app to be able to navigate that but i i'm fortunate i've got some sites to be able to read so that's really helpful i like brands that have quite clear color contrast um you know same for the ordinary um i love sunday riley as well i use their ceo um cream quite regularly it's like a, a brightening cream um and i love drunk elephant um drunk elephant, oh my quite a, drunk elephant. <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah that, have you ever heard of them before is, is that no. laugh recognition? um well they're kind of like they're very much into very no nonsense very simple um skincare products they're very clean um the packaging is really quite easy to use as well because they have a lot of airtight products that you kind of can twist to open and um, everything's a different shape and different coloured tops. They're brilliant brand. I love them, but they're, oh. they're very expensive. Um, Virula <laughs> oil is like amazing. It's actually rumoured to be used by Phoebe Denver, who is in Bridgerton. So mm. I'm one of these people when I see someone with good skin and they use something, I'm like, mm -hmm, well, I'll try that. And uh, it's very, it's very good actually. It's a lovely product, but I think it's more ingredients that I go for rather than brands. I, I mean, I, there's certain brands that I do like, but I think. For me, it's more about knowing the ingredients that you're using. So um, obviously double cleansing is very important. You have to really use a, a cleansing balm, then a cleanser to get the what's left if you use makeup like I do or SPF or anything. I do also use SPF because it's very important for your skin because um, I'm getting a bit older. Um, now in my late 20s, I'm using a retinol now. So that's really important for me. Um, and things like rosehip oil, I use that every night um so yeah i think it's more i have great ingredients that i like and i do like to change my products because sometimes my skin can get i think a bit bored of the same thing um i might come back to products you know time and time again but um i will always try something new um but at the moment i'm really liking the elemis pro collagen rose cleansing mom i like very fra fragrant things i like things that are scented and that's got a very nice rose scent so that's one that i'm using at the moment that i really like yeah, I'm the same with scented stuff. I use a lot by um, Tropic Skincare and loads of their stuff is like really fresh. Um, like, and again, all natural uh, ingredients. And like I've used stuff from like Body Shop and like Lush as well. Because again, it all just smells really good. Neil Jard as well have a really good um, rose range as well for their skincare, like cleansers and things. And I like stuff, um, which I mentioned in the little clip, like with pump bottles. Because um, yeah, for me... I wouldn't be able to spot like the contrasting colour. So if they're slightly different size tubs or um, dispensers with like pumps and stuff, that's always quite handy. But um, what about makeup? How how do you sort of apply makeup? Because I always get asked that question. I mean, makeup's, you know, kind of um, 
quite a big one for me. I mean, I've got a lot of makeup again for the same reason, but my mum actually used to be a makeup artist before she changed careers and went into working with children. So, you know, kind of bit of a bit of one hop to the other. But yeah, she used to sort of work in makeup and I think I kind of learned it from her. It was quite easy for me to learn when I was younger because I was just around someone who did that for a living. Um, although she could be very critical. I could never leave the house with any makeup faux pas. So I was never that particular person who would have had you know, foundation on my face used as a bronzer where you could have seen the line because my mum literally used to wipe it off my face. Like, she would not let me go out of the house without <laughs> anything like that. So I, I don't really have any embarrassing makeup photos. It wasn't, that was never really allowed in in, in my house. Um, still isn't even now. Even now, I still get vetted on my makeup before I leave the house, even though I can do it. Um, I think, it, you know... I've I've realised that as I've got a little bit older now and I'm sort of in my late 20s that my makeup has changed. I used to be a lot more kind of very full-faced and very, like, um, strong eye makeup. That's not really my aesthetic anymore. Again, because of the kind of clothes I wear and the kind of content that I make and I guess the community that I post, you know, within, um, it kind of tends to favour very, um, you know, like youthful kind of fresh makeup so I wear you know I like a lot of like liquid blushes I love things like rare beauties blushes I like um liquid or cream highlighters that tends to be my sort of sort of vibe um you know I like brands like Fenty I think you know Fenty is a fantastic brand for inclusivity because they do such a wide range of um, colors and undertones and that's really important as someone who's ginger um can be very hard to find things like eyebrow pencils that match or you know mm. foundations and they're a brilliant brand for inclusivity I don't think that I've ever come across a brand that has that many you know you know kind of skin colors I mean apart this there are some others you know but I think Fenty is just really a great brand for just so many different things and I love their products um but yeah as I say I mean I think Rare is another one that I like Rare Beauty by Selena Gomez because it you know the products are made to be more inclusive and Selena herself has uh, I believe it's lupus um, and she struggles with opening bottles. So the p- packaging has been made to kind of be a bit more easy to open. Um, but I, again, I'm just someone I like experimenting. I like trying different things and I'm someone who I will sort of like explore different things. I think one thing that I've always stuck to with, in terms of lipsticks, though, I have to say is I love Charlotte Tilbury lipsticks. I, I think that I'll always be loyal to those lipsticks um, till the till, you know, the day I die because they're really good for blending and um I've never had a a mistake with one of them so I really like them but you know I think makeup's fun makeup is about exploring and sometimes you can feel like it's a bit intimidating to try something new and I do get that but I think um sometimes it can be really nice to try something different Mm, 100% I I find that with makeup like again the kind of my clothes I have like my day look which again is very much like I'm just a sort of bronzer foundation uh concealer mascara and like a bit of charcoal underneath and if I have uh, like eyeshadow it's like a very sort of natural color and I love the Charlotte Tilbury lip gloss so I'm like a gloss gal um but I do think the Charlotte Tilbury like most of my makeup is Charlotte Tilbury or Bare Minerals because it's all very natural um and then if I go yeah for like an evening look then it would be I'm more of a sort of smoky eye person and like a more natural uh lip um, and then maybe, yeah, like a bit of blusher as well. Um, amazing. Okay, great. That's so good. So we've come now to the uh, end of the show. So much to unpack. It was so good. 
Um, and this section is called VIP treatments. This is like something, um, like a story that you want to share uh, about something negative that maybe a member of the public or an organization has done um, or like maybe something they've worded a bit badly um, that they could sort of correct and what the correct way of, um, you know, fixing what they said would be. I think there's so many that I could really go into. I think it's just, you know, there's, if I was to sit here and really think, there's probably so many that would come up. I think that um, one that I actually get a lot these days that kind of surprised me that, that I never used to get because my first guide dog uh, wasn't escalator trained. Um, not every single guide dog um, who uh, works, you know, within the UK is escalator trained. There's only a small number of them who are, uh, usually who live or work in London with their with their owners who actually are trained to go on them because it's quite a big thing for them to go on and it takes a lot of work to get them to that point where it's safe to put them on a moving escalator and even then you only should use it unless there's you know no other option really um mm-hmm. so I mean fun when I've been on them a few times now I've had people like jump over my guide dog or step over my guide dog when we are on it and um you know, most people, when you ask them not to, or when I've shared videos on social media and they've asked, well, why are you not letting people move past? You know, most people actually do have common sense where you can say, well, you're not supposed to move them because they have to stay completely stationary when on one. Um, They can't be moved for safety reasons because you have to be able to stand next to them to help them get off the other end. It's a safety thing. Um, Mm. Most people completely understand that. And obviously there's not, enough room to safely move them you know without them potentially falling over um most people are pretty aware and they do exercise common sense but some people don't some people have literally tried to jump over them or have jumped over them and um luckily i've not had a a, a mishap which is very fortunate but um it's always a bit of a tense moment when i go on them especially if i haven't got a member of staff standing behind me you know watching out for someone or even a friend watching out for someone to you know potentially come up behind us um but you know i think it's just people should have that awareness you know it's i think people forget we live in london tubes come every two minutes and quite frankly what i say is if you need to run for the tube you're already late there's no point even trying because you know they only they they come every two minutes i i've 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 gone to the countryside where my friends live and waited an hour for a bus you know that's that's what waiting for transport looks like but in London we don't have to do that and um I think that people forget that and you know it's just it it frustrates me because that one thing could be the difference between my guide dog having an accident and never being able to use them again which would really have a big impact on my um my independence for my job because I work in London now um you know compared to if they just waited for me to get off um and you know go about the day and like I said most people do do that but there are people that don't and people do you know have a little bit of impatience I think sometimes and I think people are just too eager to get on to the next thing especially in London which can sometimes be very frustrating because I don't feel like people are able to slow down very much in this city. Yeah 100% 100% I definitely I've heard other guide dog owners say that and yeah, literally you just like said that so eloquently how, you know, everyone's just rushing around and, uh, you know, someone's like reckless decision has like massive, massive consequences. 
Um, but thank you so much, Emily. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, so much fun talking all things fashion and beauty and amazing hearing about your individual style and all the products and everything. Um, and obviously uh, your chat there at the end um, about your beautiful guide dog, Rosie, who I absolutely love. <laughs> uh, she was so, so sweet when um, when you interviewed me as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming um, on How To Be a VIP. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Taylor. Huge, huge thank you to Emily. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure chatting to her about fashion. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as we did. And thank you again, Emily, for your VIP treatment that we just heard. So I'm going to follow that up with a VIP life lesson. And this one is from a friend of mine, Connie. So Connie is also in my band and has been friends with me for years. And the VIP life lesson from her that I'm going to include is something that I noticed that she does around me, which I thought was very, very sweet. And when I mentioned it to her, she didn't even notice that she um, was doing it, which I think is even sweeter. (laughs) But basically, Connie, whenever she gets something new, whether it be an outfit for a gig or if we're just meeting up and she's got like a new jumper on or something, she always describes it in such beautiful detail. It's so lovely. And she even lets me feel the fabric and she'll tell me where she got it. And so it feels like I'm really included in uh, her purchase, which is very sweet. And yeah, I don't feel left out in any way. And it's just a really nice way of me building a picture of what she's wearing, which I think is really, really sweet. Great, then we've come on to the last bit of the episode, which is Taylor's top tip. Now, for this one, it's about hashtags and descriptions. So when you are doing a hashtag on any of your Instagram posts, it is so helpful for visually impaired people who may follow you if you capitalize your hashtags so say you had um, a hashtag that was friday feeling you would then capitalize both f's friday and feeling um, because the phone that reads it out if it's uh, a long word or a couple of words in a row it can be really confusing I, ha- I have to like slow it down or scroll through each letter to realize what the hashtag is Whereas if you capitalise it, the phone will read it a lot clearer. And also descriptions. So my phone does try and figure out, um, if I'm scrolling for Instagram, what the picture is. Um, Although it got it completely wrong once, I put up a picture of an Aperol spritz and my phone was like, smiling face. And I was like, that's an Aperol, (laughs) it's not smiling face. (laughs) Um, So if you could put at the bottom of your picture underneath your caption, uh, above your hashtags, you can put visual description and uh, you just literally type up what's going on in the picture. So for instance, if it was the Aperol, it would be um, a bowl circular glass containing an Aperol spritz. You can see the background of an Italian square. The sun is shining and there is a blue sky, something like that. And it just makes it a lot more inclusive. And um, also it's quite poetic. I think it's quite sweet having a nice little written caption underneath your picture. But yeah, it just makes it a lot easier for us vision impaired people when we're uh, scrolling through Instagram and we can enjoy your content um, a lot more if we know what's in it. 
Wonderful. So that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to How to Be a VIP. Huge thank you um, to Emily Davison. Remember to give her a follow. Fashion Eister, E-Y-E-S-T-A, uh, 2012. So that's her Instagram handle. Please do give her a follow. And we both hope, me and Emily, hope that you uh, learnt loads from this episode and that you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks for listening. To make sure you never miss a future episode, give me a follow, Taylor Notcut on Instagram. If you're listening to this as a podcast, make sure to like, review and subscribe as it helps other people find the show. Much love and see you next time.